0: All right, so we're in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, and just a little bit of review before we get into it. So the first three chapters, or so the first half of the book of Ephesians is pretty much Paul is just explaining some certain facts about our salvation, reminding the church that all glory goes to him when it comes to our salvation, okay? And we talked a lot about Calvinism and things, and obviously Jesus Christ does 100% of the saving. There's no doubt about it. It is not our works that saves us. It is not some goodness in us that saves us, but understand God does offer salvation to the world. And we do have a choice to accept or reject. And when you accept that gift of salvation, the actual saving cleansing process, it's all done by Jesus Christ. And it, the first three chapters is just giving glory to Jesus Christ. And, but then when he gets into chapter four, He kind of shifts gears and he goes right into giving instructions to the church. He is telling these people now as Christians, as believers, what you have been chosen for, what you have been saved unto, you need to live like it. And he says in chapter four, verse one, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So we talked about that last week. God has a will for us as believers There are expectations that God has, and there are expectations that we have as a church from people who claim to be saved. We expect people who are saved to be followers of Christ. Now, our expectation does not mean that a person has to be a sold out disciple of Christ in order to be saved. Salvation is a free gift. And one thing we will see throughout this, you know, throughout this chapter, Paul while giving very clear instructions to the Christians, making a really big deal about good works, he does not in any way have to compromise the gospel to try to influence people in that, which is what people often do. And they come in, up with all these weird hypotheticals. What if a person does this? What if a person does that? Are they saved? And it's a, it's a dumb thing to do. It's a foolish question. And it's one that we ought to avoid. And we, But what we do see in here is we are going to see some examples of, of what we need to do as a christian when somebody gets out of line we are we are going to see that we are supposed to judge in the church a lot of people today are looking for a church where no one will judge them and you know what you can find those churches they're around but we are supposed to judge some things in the church so let's go ahead and start uh reading to chapter five because he's continuing just giving a bunch of instructions and that's what he does for the rest of this book and it says be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And I like how he mentions that because back in the Old Testament they would have these offerings that would smell good, these incense offerings and it would go up and it was uh, it was a pleasing smell to God. Well, you know what? Those things were I imagine they smelled pretty good for the priest. And in reality, I don't know. I think it's pretty safe to say that the smell of that sacrifice in the Old Testament was not necessarily what pleased God. I think it was their obedience because all those sacrifices that God called for in the Old Testament didn't really do anything. But the one that did was the, uh, the sacrifices of Jesus Christ. Say, so, well, then why did God have them do those things? They were a picture of what was to come. And so when God would see them doing those things, it was a reminder of what Jesus was going to do. So God was pleased. But at the end of the day, the real sacrifice and offering that was a sweet smelling savor to God was the offering of Jesus Christ for our sins. God was pleased with that offering. God accepted that offering. And that was the, uh, that was the payment for our sins. And so we need to remember, uh, that, you know, so even though Jesus Christ, He's paid for our sins, Salvation is a free gift. God has expectations for saved people, and he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. This is not a requirement for salvation, but it is a requirement for people who are going to be a part of a church. This is Paul commanding the church, in the, the church of Ephesus. He's telling the people, Be followers of God as dear children. Act like you're children of God. And let me just say this, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm, hear me out. I might sound like I'm agreeing with some heretics for a second. I'm not. All right, you just got, you got to hear me out on this. But let me just say, you know what? You cannot be saved and live like the devil and get away with it, okay? Understand, you can't be saved, live like the devil and get away with it. Now, what is it we hear people say all the time? You can't be saved and then still live like the devil, you know, and basically judging people's salvation by their works. Well, I think they're close. They just need to say that one more thing and get away with it because at the end of the day too how do you define living like the devil i mean aren't we all still sinful so how much sin do i have to have for it to be like the devil you know and that's a question nobody wants to answer okay but i i understand what people are saying when they say that Okay, if you're just going to go and, you know, get saved and you're just going to go out and fornicate and, you know, do drugs and murder people and all this, there's no way that that person is saved based on their works. But at the same time, too, you know, that person who does the little sins or the sins that I commit, they're okay. And I, and and then, but here's the thing about that. While we all wonder, while we all scratch our head about those things, one thing we don't see Paul doing in the Bible is going and calling their salvation into question when it comes to those things. But what we do see in the Bible is when a saved person gets out of line, that God deals with them. Okay, Now, here's the question. And this is just... Because again, Christians mess up. Okay? They mess up bad sometimes. But here's So here's the thing. Whose job is it to judge Christians? When a Christian gets out of line, when a Christian sin, whose job is it to judge them? Well... First off, you should judge yourself. Okay, Whenever you sin, whenever you mess up, you know what you need to do? You need to confess that sin to God. You need to f- repent of that sin. You need to forsake that sin. You need to not do that anymore. You ought, you, ought, you ought to judge yourself first. But you know there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of saved people who will not judge themselves. And so if they don't, then it's up to the church. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30 says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. People who are taking the Lord's Supper irreverently. He said, because of this, many are weak and sickly, many sleep. There's dead people. People that have died in your church because God was so upset with how they were just irreverent with the Lord's Supper. And then he goes on to say, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And he's not saying that as an individual here. He's saying that as a church. As a church, if we will judge ourselves, then we will not be judged, meaning by God. Because let me tell you something, when God has to step in, it's a big deal. It's the same thing too at home. Kids, when your kids are having disputes or they're having problems, what is your desire as a parent? You know, your desire is that they'll learn how to work these things out amongst themselves. But when you have to go and you have to get, they just, they can't get along and you've got, you know, they force you to intervene. You make sure they regret it, don't you? Because they need to figure out, I've always wanted my kids to learn, it's better for you to work out your differences yourselves. If you have to get me involved for these petty little things, I'm going to make sure you're all miserable. Why? Because I want them to learn to judge themselves. And so right here he's saying if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So if we don't judge ourselves as an individual in a church, then the church should step in and say, hey, you want to be a part of this church, you're going to have to forsake that sin or you're gone. We're we're, we're throwing you out of here. And because, but a lot of times you have churches that they don't judge anybody. They refuse to. To judge sin. They refuse to deal with things that are going on. And when that happens, when a church will not judge themselves, God comes in. God steps in and then God judges. And you know what? If that church in Corinth, if they had to judge themselves, I don't believe those people would have been dead because where in the Bible does it give us the authority as a church to kill church members? It's not there. It's not there. But when God stepped in, God made them weak. God made them sickly. We can't even do that. But you know what? God... When God gets involved, it's always going to be worse. God wants us to judge ourselves, and as a church, we've got to judge ourselves. We don't want to just sit around waiting for God to do something. When God has to get involved, we've crossed the line somewhere, and it's going to get ugly. And He's going to He's going to make an example, so we'll start judging ourselves. And so, um, verse uh, so First Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven says. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous person or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard nor extortioner with such a one know not to eat. For what have we to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. If we have someone in the church who will not allow us to judge them, then you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to put them out of the church so God can judge them. Because God judges those that are on the outside. We can't do anything about them. We can't control them. But God fully expects us to judge things on this church. And when a person leaves the authority of a church and they are saved, God's going to deal with them. God's going to judge them. And you know what? It's the same thing today. It's the same concept today when it comes to judging children. Okay? When it comes to judging children, obviously, kids need to learn to behave themselves, right? And that's what we try to train them to do. That's what we try to teach them. But when kids get out of line, as parents, we are supposed to judge, aren't we? We're supposed to punish. We're supposed to correct. We're supposed to do all these things. But what happens when a parent fails to judge? their children well if you don't judge your children if as a parent you just let your kids do whatever they want to do eventually someone's going to step in and do it for you and you know who it's going to be it's going to be the government it's going to be the cops it's going to be the prison guards the jailers eventually that's what happens when parents don't judge their children eventually the authorities step in now let me ask you this what happens when the authorities fail to judge? Because thankfully in this country, they still judge murder. They still judge theft. There's still a lot of things that you know our, our government will judge people for because the parents failed. But did you know there are some things that our government has just given up on and abandoned? And that's a lot of drug use that goes on. Our government's not really doing much about a lot of it. There still are about some, but there's a lot they're not doing anything about. How about when it comes to uh, fornication? How about when it comes to adultery? How about when it comes to homosexuality? What's our government doing about those things? Nothing. So when our government does nothing, and they aren't, they're they're supposed to deal with these things. When they don't do anything, then guess who steps in? God does. And when God judges it gets really bad. God does not want to have to intervene in these things, but he will. And so parents who do not judge their children and then with, you know, are probably going to have the police. And it's worse. Folks, people think spanking, that's so abusive. Well, I think going to jail is more abusive. I think getting locked up is, is way worse. I'd rather get spanked any day of the week, still to this day, as humiliating as it would be, I'd rather get spanked than go to jail. But again, our government's not doing anything about certain crimes. And so what do we have today? We have STDs. We have AIDS. We have all these things like that. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. You know, these are horrible deaths. These are horrible lives. These people are living. What's going on? I'll tell you what. God intervened is what happened. And it's bad. It's a whole lot worse. And just look at the life of the queers and look at their end. Look at how horrible of a lifestyle that is. That is more cruel than anything that a parent could have done. That's that's worse than a spanking. That's worse than the government doing things. They are getting turned over to a reprobate mind. They're being judged by God. And so I just say all that to say that when it comes to judgment, we should always just try to judge things ourselves because we don't want God to intervene. And that's what you want your kids to learn. Whenever there's conflict going on, they should have the attitude. Listen, stop it. We've got to get along. all right? You know, we'll, just, we'll put up with this. Because right? if mom and dad get involved, we're all in trouble. If mom and dad get involved, it's going to be really bad. And you know what? I mean, my brother, they're driving me crazy right now. They're really upsetting me. But you know what? We've got to figure this out. We've got to get this right. But you know what? Some kids, they just don't want it. It takes them forever. And what do they do? Okay, what do they do? Mom, dad. You know what? They need to regret that. When it happens i mean sometimes they need to tell their parents things but you know you can tell when they all need what and you know you, you can tell when that happens but we i'm telling you we as a church we have to judge ourselves we don't want god to intervene when it comes to judgment when he steps in it's really bad so understand all these things we're about to talk about too these are these are things we have to keep out of the church These are things that we've got to deal with. You say, Pastor, I don't know why you have to preach on this stuff all the time. I don't know how you have to... You know, you're making people feel uncomfortable. When you preach against some of these sins, you're making people feel uncomfortable. Well, you know, we can't let this stuff be going on here. I mean, I could just go ahead and put up with it. We as a church, we can just go ahead and decide, you know what? Who cares about these things? Let's just put up with this stuff. The problem is God's not going to put up with it. And if we're just letting it go, eventually God's going to step in. He's going to deal with it. And then we're all in trouble. So, we've got to judge these things. So, let's look at some of these things that we're supposed to judge. Verse 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So, while the church is made up of sinners, we do need to understand there are some things that are so bad that we cannot allow them to even be perceived as acceptable amongst christians we've got to make as as believers there are things that should be notable characteristics of ours like love mercy righteousness judgment all of these things should be notable characteristics of us as christians but there are some things that should also be obviously completely unacceptable as a church we're not saying nobody that ever comes here is ever going to do some of these things. People fall, okay? And when people fall, we either are spiritual or we're supposed to restore those people. But at the same time, if somebody falls and we just act like nothing happened, then you know what we're doing? We're sending a message that that's acceptable. And we can't do that. So whenever sin does pop up, as long as we judge it, as long as we deal with it, I believe we're in the clear as a church. And it's, it will be perceived as completely unacceptable. And, that, and we've got to make sure we keep it that way. We're not going to have a 100% record of just certain sins never happening in this church. But as long as we have a 100% record of coming down on it hard when we find out, then I believe we're okay. I believe we're okay. So, because here's the thing too. We don't want to just be known as the church that doesn't allow homos. Okay. We don't want to just be known for that you know, we need to be a church. We we also ought to be a church that doesn't allow these other things too. Okay, there's a lot of things. So it's like, you know, everybody likes to focus on that one thing, but it's like, they're not the only ones. Okay, you know, we just might enjoy keeping those ones out a little more, you know, other, but, you know, there are some people, you know, we have to, you know, with sorrow, you know, say, hey, you can't be here. And we're sad because we love those people. We care about those people. They're in sin. They're not repenting of it, and it and it gives us sorrow. There's there's been people that have come through here before that you know we've tried working with, tried helping, and they're shacking up. And we do. We love those people. We care about those people. But if they're not willing to repent of that, we've had to tell them you're not going to be able to come here, and we get no joy in that. We might get joy over the one, (laughs) but we ought to be. But at the same time, we ought to keep all that stuff out of here if people aren't going to repent of it. So, he goes on in verse 5. It says, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. It's very important that we understand this passage and that we understand the context of it. Because this passage is not teaching that anyone who ever commits any of these sins is not saved. It's not teaching that a saved person cannot do these things. What it's saying is these things that are mentioned are why God is going to judge this world. And if a church does not take care of these things, just like God is going to judge the world because of these sins, he's going to judge us for it too. So we better deal with it. That's, that's why he brings this up. These are the things that are going to cause God to come down hard on this world. And when God brings the hammer down on nations, he, he doesn't do it for violations of the least commandments. Okay? And don't try giving me this all sins are equal garbage. There are some things that require few stripes. That the Bible talks about. There are some sins require few stripes. There are other sins that require many stripes. There are some sins that require death. There's all kinds of different punishments for different types of sins. And so when God judges nations, okay, it, it's not typical. It's never for the least commandments. It's not for those smaller things. It was always the big things. Okay, and so for example. And you don't have to turn there, but in Revelation chapter 9, when God's wrath is being poured out on this earth, it says, And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the work of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. And notice he didn't mention things like lustful thoughts that don't lead to actions. He didn't mention things like anger. He didn't mention anything like, you know, hatred in your heart that, again, doesn't lead to action. All those things are sins. But those aren't the kind of things that God goes and, you know, destroys nations for. It's these other things. So understand that if God is going to judge the world because of these sins that were mentioned there in Ephesians... Why on earth would God not come down on us hard if that stuff is going on here? And understand too, even in a nation where fornications and adulteries and homosexuality, even where all those things take place, when a nation deals with those things, when a nation judges those sins, God doesn't judge those nations for those sins because they judged it. But it's when they ignore it. It's when they do nothing. That's when God has to step in and intervene. And then the whole country is in trouble. And folks, that is why I'm telling you, when it comes to our country, we just better pray that we're just supposed to get ours, you know, during the wrath of God period. Because we have been racking up judgment and I don't care. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't care what happens to this country tomorrow. Literally anything could happen to this country. And I would not, I would be a hypocrite to look at god and be like why i would just be ignorant to to wonder why how could this happen to our country every day we should be saying why isn't it happening to our country and i don't want it to happen to our country but we should be we should be wondering why god's not coming down hard on this country and and i think the only reason is because he's not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance so we should probably try preaching against this stuff. We should probably keep, keep preaching repentance. We should probably keep getting as many people saved as possible. Otherwise, um, God's got plenty of reason to destroy us. So, um, look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter six. So Go and turn over there because, you know, I've said this before, but it's again it's worth repeating because it goes along with this chapter. But just be, just doing something one time does not always make you worthy of being noted for that thing. It's important that we understand this concept. Again, just because you've plunged a toilet does not mean you're a plumber. Okay? That, I think we all understand that. And in passage like this, that we, that we read uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians 5, um, you know, it's referring to those who are identified by those things by continually doing them. It's the same thing that we see in first Corinthians chapter six, and verse nine, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So he's reminding them, you've been washed from those things. You've been cleansed from those things. You're not those things anymore. So don't, don't do those things. Do not do them, but understand those who do those things, they're going to have the hammer drop down them. God is going to judge this world because of these things. And so I think a good way to compare it though, because this is where people do, they kind of mix, you know, the Bible the Bible teaches a lot of different things. And sometimes we blend things that aren't really meant to be blended together. So for example... You know, imagine, uh, suppose a man in a moment of rage punches somebody. That person falls down, hits their head, and dies. Is that person a murderer? Yeah, they, they killed somebody, didn't they? They murdered somebody. Now, what's the punishment in the Bible for murder? It's death, isn't it? Okay, that person murdered somebody. That is really bad now we believe that person can get saved can't we we believe that that person can be cleansed of that sin and technically because he has killed someone he is in fact a murderer but is that who that person is is that what we identify that what they are identified by does that reflect how they have lived their life just like we don't call the guy who plunged a toilet a plumber We call the guy who does it for a living a plumber. It's the same thing, too, when it comes to some of these sins. That person that's identified by those things, that person who is continually living in those things, doing those things, that's a problem. And so, uh, suppose, too, there's another man that's a serial killer. That's what he does. That's how he gets his thrills. Okay, you know, that person... Is also a murderer. What's the penalty for him too? It's death. Okay? But at the same time, too, you know, when we see that serial killer, we're probably thinking, I don't think that guy's saved. <laughs> you know, we well, you know, that person who just get thr- gets a thrill out of killing people, that's probably somebody who's been given over to a reprobate mind. That guy who lost his temper and made a mistake, I don't think he's been given over to a reprobate mind. Do y'all understand the the difference there? Now. They're both guilty of sin. They both need a Savior. You know, otherwise they're both going to go to hell. So uh, sometimes the Bible, there, you know, it is, it's, it's explains that concept. You committed one sin, you're guilty of it all, you need a Savior. But that doesn't, but then there's other times it's talking about people who are identified by those sins. That's just kind of their thing. And it's important when we're reading a passage that we understand if that's what it's talking about. But people get confused because so many passages proof text and jump all over the Bible. And I like what this verse says, this goes along with what I say. And then a lot of people will use these too, you know, to just teach that, you know, somebody isn't saved and they're judged by their works. That's not what we need to be doing with these passages. So, um, you know, the so I say all this though to say, if someone in this church does any of these things that are mentioned, we need to judge it immediately. If they continue in that sin, they need to be removed from the church. And if they continue in that sin and they are saved, God will deal with them. But if God does not deal with them, then you know what? It's okay. Listen, it's okay for us. And and watch how the Bible explains this too. It's okay for us to treat them like they're unsaved. But notice, we still don't declare them unsaved. We don't change the gospel and make it about works just because we are going to treat someone as if they were unsaved. Because here's the thing, they might very well be saved. We don't always know. And so look at what it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So folks, right? The Bible is very clear. God deals with his children. And again, God wants us to deal with them first. But if they will not listen to us, you know what we do? We put them out so God can deal with them. What if God doesn't deal with them? Well, then I guess we could say that they're bastards and not sons. That's what the Bible says. And it's not wrong for us to treat someone as if they were unsaved when they're living in open sin. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 18, and verse 17. It says, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee, as an heathen man and a publican. Now, isn't this interesting how Jesus said, if he doesn't hear the church he's just a heathen or a Republican. No, he just said, let him be as one. In other words, okay, if you're not going to act like a Christian, if you're not going to submit to God, if you're not going to submit to the authority of this church, then you know what we're going to do? We're going to treat you just like an outsider. And you know what? You're on the outside. You're not going to participate in this church you're not going to be a part of the fellowship you're not going to partake of the lord's supper with us you're not going to do you're not going to be able to do these things just like we wouldn't let a heathen person participate in those things we're not going to let them either and notice though how the bible does not say this proves they're not saved you know why because the bible doesn't use works as proof of salvation but at the same time we can't see somebody's heart can we we don't know everything that goes on in somebody's life. We don't know their entire story. We don't know. God might be dealing with them and chastising them, and we don't know it. We don't see what's going on. But what we do is when that person will not submit, then you do You have set. You have to throw them out, and you have to treat them as an unsaved person. But we still... We, the, Paul, Jesus, still did not dogmatically say they're not saved. You know why? Because I don't think he wanted us going around judging people by works because salvation is not about works. It's about faith. That, that's what it's about. So I think that's interesting how the Bible does that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 4, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one, this man who had taken his father's wife, is who he's talking about, to deliver such a one, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So he's telling them, get that guy out of here. Deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. What's going on? God's letting the devil have his way with him. You know, if, you're, if he's not going to submit. Now, I believe, based on 2 Corinthians, I believe this guy got right and he was restored to the church. And even though this guy had done a grievous sin, one that was not even named among the Gentiles... The Apostle Paul still didn't in that situation say he's definitely not saved. He said, we're just going to have to deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the Spirit may be saved. Paul still thought this guy was going to be in heaven. Now, how could he think that when all this horrible sin is going on in his life? Because Paul didn't judge salvation based on works. But you know what he did do when people in the church... We're not following God when they were not walking worthy of their vocation. You know what he did do? He judged them and he put them out of the church. But Paul never compromised the gospel. Paul did not change the gospel like so many people are doing today and just making it about, all about works. He didn't do that. And you know what? We're not going to do that either. We're going to continue proclaiming the salvation that Paul and that Jesus preached, one that is without works, one that has eternal security, one that is based and judged by the work of Jesus Christ, not by a person's works. That's not how we judge these things. And that's why we're going to keep on soul winning and why we're going to keep on giving the gospel, very simple. And if people make a profession and call on the Lord, we're going to believe those people are saved, even if we don't ever see the kind of works that we would like to see them do, because the Bible's pretty clear. The salvation is not about works, that you don't have to go to church to go to heaven, you don't have to be baptized. It is believing the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so we're going to, we're going to keep operating that way. But you know what you have people doing today? They're, they're going and they're just, they're, they're making salvation so complicated. They're expecting so many works from people that they've just given up on solding. I mean, they've given up on even trying to just, you know, give the gospel to somebody's door. You got to come into the church and they got to spend weeks and weeks and weeks trying to disciple you and making sure that you've really got it. shouldn't take that long to get people saved. It, we don't see it taking that long in the Bible. And, I, and so I think that uh, these people, frankly, are just using a lot of these things as an excuse to not go soul wanting. Because you know what? It's not popular today. It, it's not, it doesn't make you the most liked church in the community to, to do that kind of thing. But you know what? It gets a lot of people saved. And so we need to keep doing it. So uh, what we want to make sure we don't do, though, except with all this, we don't, we never want to make the mistake of changing the gospel based on the perceived testimony of one person. A lot of things can still happen with the saved person. Everybody has a story. Some people, they get saved and they do. They live like the devil and you know what? They don't get away with it because you'll hear them say years later when they finally get right with God, they'll talk about how the Lord was running them through the ringer for years. Now, a lot of times the church didn't see that. A lot of times other Christians, they did not see what all was going on in that person's life. But you better believe God was all over those people. You know why? Because they're His children. And you know, if we would have been, if, if other Christians would have been out there just declaring them unsaved, oh, you clearly aren't saved. You haven't even given up on your drinking yet you know, then they're probably going to get discouraged and never come back to that church. You know, they're they're going to get all confused about their salvation. They might even start to wonder if they are saved. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know what? And, you know, if I didn't get saved before, you know, they're not going to get saved by trying even harder to repent of their sins. That way you're, you're just confusing people and it's not right. So verse eight says, for ye were sometimes darkness, But now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So we see that there is sin we are supposed to call out as a church. We are to be proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, a lot of people today, they want us to have a Bible verse for like every single thing, you know, if, if it comes to a certain style of dress or item of clothing, you know, you've got to have a Bible verse that says you're not allowed to wear that. Listen, I believe the Holy Spirit will help us figure out what's right and wrong in all ages, in all cultures. And, you, you know, there's, there's all kinds of new problems, you know, new uh, new things. But the old principles of the Bible always fit. But sometimes we, we have to judge these things, and we've got we've to gotta prove these things. And if things are not acceptable, we need to call it out. You've got a lot of people, they'll talk about sin, 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 sin. They'll say that word sin all the time. Y'all shouldn't be sinning, but they don't want to get specific. They don't ever want to name any sin because they might step on somebody's toes. No, you need to step on some people's toes. And sometimes we need to get up and we need to say this, whatever's going on is just completely unacceptable. Sometimes we, sometimes we've got to get specific. Sometimes preachers today, I I can't find a single verse in the Bible against TikTok, but folks, I went, I went, I went on there for a little while. I got that app because I was wanting to watch something on there and I watched this. Folks, that is the gayest thing in the world. I ain't got a Bible verse, but folks, I'm telling you, man, there's, Something bad wrong with TikTok. There's something people act like freaks when making TikTok videos. And I, I didn't I didn't used to understand it because I would see these videos, even even men, even preachers sometimes. They're making these videos and they're <laughs> acting all crazy and wild and flamboyant. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Why can't you just state these things like a normal human being? But then I found out why. It's because on TikTok, it's too easy to just scroll to the next video. And so they've always got to do something outrageous to get your attention in the beginning. Otherwise, you're going to keep scrolling. So you can't do something simple. You can't just be standing there because, I mean, sometimes within a couple of seconds, if there's not something visual that gets your attention, just whee. And so people do. They act like maniacs. Cause that's what you have to do. Well, you know what? I don't want to act like a flamboyant idiot. So, and if that's what I've got to do to make it on TikTok, I'm out. Okay? All right? I'm, you know, I'm out. So I'm mean, are you're, you're such a legalist. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm seeing too many young people to listen. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't find a verse in the Bible against TikTok dances. I see any of our people doing TikTok dances at the church. I'm going to find something. All right, we're going to find some way to include that as reasons you can get kicked out of the church. Okay, folks, please don't do TikTok dances. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't need to get going. I, I get really sidetracked on this stuff. But I have, I have seen Baptists doing TikTok dances. And you know what? Never mind. Verse 12. <laughs> Verse verse 11, I'm sorry. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's them TikTok dances right there. There's your Bible verse. Just found it right there. (laughs) There are some people we should separate from. Some things we need to stay away from. Verse 12, For it is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I guess it's not about TikTok. Because the stuff they do on TikTok is very public. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And let me tell you something. God always has a way of bringing sin to the surface so it can be dealt with. And a church where light is being lived, a church where light is being proclaimed, it's going to expose the sin that is present. That's just what it does. And let me tell you something. A lot of pastors today, the reason they don't want to preach the truth is about sin is because they know it will cause things to be made manifest in the church and they don't want to have to deal with it so they're afraid to get specific on sin if they start getting too specific on sin you might have somebody get convicted you might have and even if they don't get convicted and confess it it's going to come out God's going to deal with these things when Achan took of the accursed thing in Judges chapter 7 God made it manifest that sin was in the camp And they did. They went looking and they found it and they dealt with it. And I'm telling you, a lot of churches today, a lot of pastors, I think they're afraid. They're afraid. If I preach on this, I might find out we have a problem and then I got to deal with it. And it's no fun dealing with problems. But you know what? If you don't like it, you shouldn't have signed up for the job. You need to find something else to do. So verse 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We use this passage for a lot of different things, but specifically what it's saying is we need to be avoiding these sins that are going on in the world. We need to stay away from these things. God's going to judge the world for these things. So while we see our world getting evil and everything going crazy, we need to make sure that we're careful. So, you know, I'm not going to get caught up in every new trend. I'm not going to get caught up in every new fad that's going on out there because I don't want to get myself in trouble with the rest of the world. So we've got to tread carefully in this earth. Some sins, they can sneak up on us. They can snare us. They're traps. The devil's tricky. Verse 17, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We need to have knowledge of the law of God so we'll know what God's will is. And God's will is not this mysterious, unknown thing. Most of the time, we can know what to do simply by knowing the Bible. God says don't do it, you know what? It's not God's will for us to do that thing. If God says do it, it's God's will for you to do that thing. Y'all want to know? I don't, I don't know if it's God's will for me to go soul winning. I do. It's His will for you to go soul winning. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if God, Lord wants me to go to church tonight. I have been convicted of it. Now, I know what the Lord's will is now. He wants you to go to church. I, I know that. Why? Because the Bible tells us. All these things we're about to read, I don't have to ask if it's God's will or not. Okay. For one, is it God's will for me to drink? well bible says right here and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit you know don't don't fill yourself with things that are going to cause you to sin but fill yourself with the spirit of god so you'll do good well how do i do that well one way speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus Christ. You know, if we would sing songs about God, if we'd sing spiritual songs, we'd probably be in a better mood. We'd probably be happier people. You know, if we would give thanks, if we would and not be like those in Romans one, who it says neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination, their foolish heart was darkened. If we would be thankful people, I think it'd be, you know it's hard. It's hard to be thankful and to be depressed at the same time. But you know, it's real easy to get depressed when we're feeling sorry for ourselves and just acting, you know, complaining about all the things we don't have. So these these will help you be filled with the Spirit. Singing songs of God will give you in the right frame of mind. And we do, we have music that is designed to get us into all different kinds of moods. Okay, proof of that, the movies. Okay, though that they have music to set a mood. Don't they? And it works. There's a certain type of music they use for a fighting scene. Certain types of music they use for a romantic scene. Certain type of music they do for just some kind of relaxing scene. There's certain kind of music they do when they want to scare you. You know why? Because music is not immoral. Music is a very powerful thing. And we need to listen to music that will get us in a spiritual frame of mind. We need to go on. It goes on in verse 21 saying, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So in other words, if the church tries to, if the church tries to judge you, and they're giving you scripture that what you're doing is wrong. You know what you should do? You should submit to the church. Why? Because of the fear of God. I don't want to listen to these people. Okay, but I just understand. All right, you don't want to listen to us? That's fine. But just remember, if we're right and you don't listen to us, God's coming. God's going to step in. And He's going to deal with you and it's going to be a lot worse. And so whenever a church has to step in and do something... I I would recommend people listen to it. And we need to allow those around us in the church to challenge us and to correct us. It goes on verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. We are going to have a sorry church if we have sorry families. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We'll be talking a lot about family in the next month. But you know what? A church where the women don't submit to their husbands is going to be a bad church. You know why? Because those are bad families. And you know what? Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, "...so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church." Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husbands. Not only will our church stink if the women don't submit to their husbands, but our church is going to stink if the husbands don't love their wives. If we have husbands that don't take care of their wives, if they do not cherish their wives, if they do not give honor unto them as under the weaker vessel, if they do not provide for them, if they do not lead them in a godly way... Our church is going to be a really bad church because we're going to have really bad families. We're not going to please God. We will not be walking worthy of our vocation. Folks, the key to a strong church is strong families. And that's one of the reasons too. We like to devote a month just to, you know, trying to strengthen the family because that is what is going to help our church. And if our families are all dysfunctional, if our families are all out of control, our church is going to be the same way. There's no doubt about that. And we're going to be in sin. We are going to be in, in sin and understand too that, you know, when it comes to the husband wife relationship, okay, when it comes to what goes on in the home, you know, the, you know, the church, we don't have the right to just step in there and, and tell everybody what to do. Okay. We don't have the right to come in and overrule husbands and things like that. We don't have the right to do that. But I'm, but at the same time, when the home is out of line, when they are not functioning the way God wants them to, it is going to cause problems that is going to create other issues in that home that will include things that we need to deal with as a church. Okay, Wives, if you nag your husband, we are not going to step in as a church and get involved and deal with that. Okay, uh, We're not, we're not going to do that. But understand... That's not a good thing. That's a sin. You guys need to get that kind of thing under control because if you don't get that kind of thing under control, if if you don't deal with these things, you're going to start having all kinds of problems in your in your life and in your marriage and eventually something is going to surface from that that is going to be something we'll have to deal with. So while so the the key is when it comes to these little things, these smaller things, okay, yeah. Yeah, you're doing that in your home. We're not going to throw you out of the church for that. But you know what? Please judge these things in your home. Because if you don't judge your home, things are going to get out of control and eventually we might have to judge. And you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to judge any. I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want to judge anybody. I sometimes wish the liberals were right. And we, aren't, we weren't supposed to judge at all. That would make things a little bit easier. But that's just not in the Bible. In fact, the opposite is in the Bible. So the key is, you know, just like as a church, if we would judge ourselves, we won't have to be judged of God. You all judge yourself. Nobody gets judged here. And I, would lo- I, I wish we could be a judgment-free zone. I wish we could be a Planet Fitness Church. And you know what? We can't be a Planet Fitness Church if everybody just does what they're supposed to do. But uh, if people don't do what we're supposed to do, it ain't going to be Planet Fitness Church here. We're going we're to have to judge. Somebody's got to do it. And so all these things mis- just mentioned, It's God's will for every husband. Love those wives. And so every one of these things mentioned are necessary for us to do, to be in the will of God, to walk worthy of our vocation. These things are not optional. And there are things we are supposed to do. There's things we're not supposed to do. And as a church, we are not just a group of saved people. That's not the only thing we are. We also are followers of God. And that's why we're here. We're not here to get ourselves into heaven. If you're saved, you're already going to heaven. If you're here, it's because you have a desire to be a follower of God. And so if you quit being a follower of God and are in rebellion, and especially if it starts causing problems and you're getting other people to rebel too, then you got to go. you got to find somewhere else because we're followers of God here. Christ is the focus. focus and as a church we got to do a lot of work to keep sin out and paul was very clear he he's given a lot of things and folks let me tell you something too you say man this just sounds like a lot of work doesn't sound pleasant the commandments of god are not grievous all of these things if we will take them serious and follow them obey these things all our lives will be better rules are not to make us miserable But I tell you what is meant to make us miserable is God's judgment. So we will judge ourselves. Just like as parents, when your kids won't judge things you do, you you make them miserable so they won't want your intervention anymore. They'll just deal with things themselves. And so, but doing the things that God said, it will make us happy. And so let's make sure we judge ourselves as individuals and a church. Let's pray, dear Lord. I pray that this message uh, will be a help to everyone. Lord, there's a lot of stuff in here. I pray people take the time to read these things, meditate on them, make sure they're following a single one of them in their life. And I pray you'll help us to be a functional church with functional homes. I pray we'll, uh, we'll judge ourselves like we're supposed to. We pray that we, uh, we won't need your intervention on these things, but we'll just uh, follow the instructions of your word. I pray you'll help all of us to uh, practice that in our own lives and in our families. In your name we pray. Amen.